The following presentation is brought to you by KMmedia.pro. Please visit KMmedia.pro for more information. Now stay right where you are as we present. Welcome to Positive Talk Radio, evolving ideas, one conversation at a time. Great guests, dynamic stories and interviews, plus new thoughts on a wide range of topics and concepts. I hope that you'll hang with me, Kevin McDonald, my friends, and of course, you, as together we work to understand why we are all here and what we can do to make our world a better place for all of us to be happy, be kind, and live in peace together. Yep, that's Positive Talk Radio. And welcome, everybody, to a Wednesday edition of Positive Talk Radio. I am so glad you're here, and I want you to, while you're in your cars, if you're not driving, I want you to call your friends and tell them to listen to this program right here on KKNW, 11.50 a.m. Um, Eric, welcome. How are you, sir? Hey, good afternoon. I'm doing well. And I just wanted to say before we get started, a belated happy birthday to you because your birthday was over the weekend. Yeah, it was. I, my birthday is 9-11. So, you know, there's there's always something going on on 9-11 these days. Yeah, so celebrating it maybe after 9-11 seems like a good idea. <laughs> so, But I hope you had a good one uh, regardless. Yeah. I did. It was it was it was awesome, and I had some great stuff. And one of my one of my uh, close friends who does some really unique stuff, she as a birthday present bought me because I like historical things. She bought me six months of historical documents that are going to be sent to me once a month for every month for the next six months. That'll be really unique and interesting things uh, from the history of the United States. And Holly Berry, who's with us today, she's the one who did that. She does such unique things. That is so awesome. Happy birthday again, Kevin. I can't wait till you get your first letter. I want I want you to like tell me who it is, if it's like some old dead president or some famous figure and like you can even share it with the team if you want <laughs> check the back to see if there's a treasure map yeah exactly <laughs> very very good very good uh and we we are um today we've got a great show for you and i hope that you'll stay with us the entire time we have a you know we have a famous person in the building and it's really really cool she is an she is an actress she is a stand-up comic. Um, even my son, who is a stand-up comic aficionado, loves and loves uh, good stand-up comedy. And Margaret Cho, who is uh, somebody that you've worked with quite a little bit, um, you've opened for her on a bunch of different tours. You're an award-winning uh, uh, actress, and you're on FX uh, Mayan MC and the voice of Tia Rosita, in uh, Disney Pixar Academy Award winning, oh, and you've done some really great things. And you're here today to talk to us about a bunch of stuff. Her name, and I'm going to try it again and see if it, I can actually get this. Selene Luna is with us. So close. Yeah. <laughs> hi, Ke hi, Kevin, and hi, team. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for the lovely intro, and happy belated birthday. Well, thank you. By the way, how badly did I screw up your first Not name? at all. You said it beautifully. Uh, <laughs> most people butcher my name, and uh, you could thank my parents for that. But uh, And also, Kevin, did you know my birthday's on Monday? We're both Virgos. Oh, very nice. Congratulations. It's a, <laughs> it's a nice time of year to have a birthday. 
It is. It is. And you're here. Well, Holly, first of all, I know you have done quite a little bit of research on on uh, the, the subject matter today. So I'm going to ask you to say why Luna is or why Miss Luna is here, um, because she is uh, representing the Pastanistas Project. So close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the Pastanistas Project. She is one of the people involved in that. And when's the date for that? That live online event coming the um we've got uh the power of passionista summit it's a virtual summit that uh focuses around uh women and women's equalities and uh issues that impact women and that will be september 21st through the 23rd and um tickets are now available for our virtual presentation at uh thepassionistasproject.com and it's a three-day virtual event focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion in the issues important to women and non and gender non-conforming non-binary people. And you talk a great deal about and there and we've had um, we've had the the um, Amy Holly? and Nancy. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much. I I prepare endlessly for these shows. I just want you to know, and uh, we've had them on the show. And uh, this time, they're t we're talking about uh, disabilities, and we're talking about women of color and uh, and non-binary people and stuff, and trying to make it a better place for all of us to understand each other and to live life a little bit better. Would that be a good representation? Absolutely. And that really touches on why I'm passionate about working with Amy and Nancy Harrington, who are the founders of the Passionistas Project and hosting the Power of Passionistas Summit. The reason is, is that um, it's, uh, for those of you who are not familiar with me, um, I am, I am a Mexican immigrant. I was raised in uh, I was raised in Los Angeles, but I was born in Mexico, and I do have the immigrant experience, but I'm also a little person, um, a woman with a disability. And it's been my experience that historically, the feminist movement does not address issues of uh, women of color, much less uh, women with disabilities. And the Passionistas Project actually is one of the very few platforms that addresses this and addresses a cross-sectional feminist movement. So I'm very passionate about that. As well, you should be because it's a it's a it's a big deal for a lot of folks. And and Holly's done some research. She she uh, sat in with me when we we talked to the Harringtons and okay. and stuff. And so Holly, uh, do you have a question for uh, um, Miss Luna? Sure, <laughs> Selene. Selene. Yeah. The so yeah, she emailed earlier and she wanted to talk about Huluween drugs drugs. How do you even say that one? Now I can't. Oh talk. well, I just wanted I wanted to plug um, a couple things that I'm doing. I mean, I, I'm deaf. I'm here to speak about the uh, power of the Passionista Summit, which is September 21st through the 23rd. But I did uh, send a last minute message to Holly uh, because today we launched the PR campaign for something really fun uh, that I'm doing. Uh, I'm part of uh, Hulu's uh, Hulu's 
Huluween Drag Extravaganza, which uh, premieres October 1st on Hulu. And it's just a really fun project that I got to do. It is a Hulu special. It's like an old school TV special with um, it's two drag hosts and a troupe of drag queens and kings. We take over the stage and we perform original musical numbers, sketch comedy and more to celebrate the uh, Halloween season. And it's really fun. It looks like it'll stream starting on October 1st. The cover poster for it is just awesome. Are you now, how are you in it or how are you? Um... Well, I'm, I'm a part of a, well, it, it's an ensemble cast. And okay. so together we do uh, musical numbers and we dance and we sing and we do have sketch comedy. And so I'm peppered throughout the, the TV special and it's a really, really fun. And oh, awesome. yeah, it, I was just <laughs> excited to promote this because um, my regular gig these days is uh, Mayans MC, which is an FX a crime drama. And it also streams on Hulu. And that's a, a very dark series. And so I was excited to share that I'm on a light series. I'm on a light TV special that's uh, really family friendly and it's a lot of fun. I got to ask you, because there are so many people that we talk to that would like to be an actor. Mm-hmm. What's it What's it like to be an actually working actor in Hollywood? That's a great question. It's actually shocking. It's shocking to be a working actor in Hollywood. Um, for me in particular, it's, you know, everyone has their own uh, path, but it's been quite a, a lifelong struggle. You know, again, I am a a little person. And so through most of my career, most of my life, uh, very rarely have I ever come across any opportunities that any casting or role opportunities for a little person that's an actual human being. You know, historically, parts for little people are limited to fantastical creatures we're always in costumes you're always like a monster you're just never a human being and uh one of the reasons i pursued showbiz is that i wanted to show a human side to somebody like me but up until very recently i mean really up until like the last couple of years there have not been opportunities for somebody like me and um so my particular experience is unique and um but with but hollywood discriminates against everybody i mean it's a struggle for everybody you know whether um you're some perfectly gorgeous person sometimes you're too beautiful you know it's it's a struggle for everybody so it comes down to really being committed disciplined and tenacious and without those qualities this may not be the business for you and also i always tell young actors don't throw in the towel the minute you throw in the towel you have diminished any possibility of a career so you have to really want it and be really committed and how does it work for you to do stand-up too because that the stand-up is a unique art all unto itself yeah absolutely stand-up is definitely unique um but i uh, found it very liberating because um, with stand-up, nobody cares what you look like as long as you can make them laugh. And frankly, anybody could do stand-up. You, you know, you can go to open mic in any town, anywhere. You know, that's 
that's the one thing that I really love about stand-up. It's an equalizer. It's, it's uh, as long as you're willing to go up on stage, somebody will give you stage time. Anyone can do it. But it takes, you know, for some people, it takes many years to craft and develop, you know, a solid set. Um, you know, it took me like a decade and I'm still struggling in it. You know, it's not easy. I, I think I prefer dramatic acting. So uh, I, I think it's, it's easier for me. Well, you know, when somebody's on stage mm -hmm. and they are a stand-up and they do incredible work, the perception that we have is that they made it up on the spot and it just happens to be really, really funny. But you, as a stand-up artist, you work tirelessly coming up with new material and to make it all work and to, and to make, it, make it happen. Is that kind of how it works for you? Because I know your set is taking you a long time to put together. Yeah, absolutely. And you make a very insightful point. I mean, if a comic uh, makes it look like, you know, they're just working the room off the cuff and they do it successfully, that means they have worked so hard for so many years. And, you know, it could take years to craft a brilliant five minute, you know, moment. And, uh, you know, but, but, like everything else, there's an exception to the rule. Some people, I've seen some people who are just genuinely talented and they can really just work right off the cuff. But I think your average person needs to uh, work it out tirelessly to appear that they have not worked it out. What yeah, inspired you to branch out into that as well as already having like been acting and into activism and dancing and adding that into the mix as well? Well, the truth is, um, many years ago, I got great advice from a friend who's a director. At the time, he was working for Disney. And he told me, you got to always have seven balls in the air because six are going to drop. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> and it's the truth. In this business, you got to do everything. And, you know, so I've always uh, involved myself in every aspect of entertainment, you know, um, acting, stand-up, dancing, I've done broadcasting, um, writing, you kind of improv, you just do everything. You, and, and everything you do does lead to success in one particular thing, because everything helps to develop you as a performer, as a writer, as an actor. And ultimately, I have found, at least for myself and people that I know personally, who have their own level of success is that ultimately you are 100% responsible for your career. You know, I, I think a lot of young, um, or young actors who are pursuing the business are under the illusion that you just sit back and wait for your agent to make the phone ring. And that's not going to happen. You got to be fully responsible for your creativity. And also you got to exercise the muscle just like a, a pro athlete does. You know, pro athletes are out working out and training for hours a day, whether or not they have a game. And you got to do the same thing as a performing artist. Yeah, I'm trying to get Holly to do stand up. What do you think, Holly? <laughs> I'll uh, I'll dance my little like food dance with my fingers <laughs> for you. <laughs> I think you should try it. You'd be you'd be amazed at how liberating it is. And even if you bomb, there's nothing wrong with bombing. I mean, uh. I actually, not that I looked forward to bombing, but anytime I bombed, I always 
took it as a lesson. It always helped me better my next set. That so, that bombing, bombing life. Yeah, That's bombing a is a gift. Yeah, it's I I would love to hear your message to younger people directly about that and getting over seeing uh, failure as like an end all be all versus a lesson that you can use and work from. Sure. Um, well, that's a great point. I because that's something I, I feel very strongly about. Uh, not at the beginning. I, I wasn't excited about failure early in my career, but today at the seasoned age that I am and having seen and done, you know, as much as what I've, I've attempted in the business, I do know that failure is actually a gift. It, it, you have no way of learning, no way of getting further in your career without some very, very difficult fails falling on your face. Uh, you know, it feels horrific when it's happening. It feels like public humiliation. But if that, if you don't go, if you don't have those experiences, how are you going to grow? How are you going to improve? And um, for example, if you want to try stand-up comedy, uh, something that most comics do is you go up on stage and you record your set, bring your phone on stage and record the set. And if you absolutely bomb, you'll know what you need to cut out and never do it again. And that helps you grow. And so failure is a bad word, but it's really a gift to an artist. It only helps you um, edit out the garbage. Who needs that? And then you just um, continue to improve what you're doing. For all of our listeners out there, there's two phrases that I only learned in the last few years when I did go through moments of failure and it hit emotionally hard like that. Number one was the term fail upward. And mm -hmm. number two was the term fail faster. And I think that if if you remember kind of those two terms, sometimes that might bring around that concept as well, because it can be completely new. Some people were raised by perfectionists. Some people naturally are perfectionists. And a lot of times that's some of the hardest mental framework to work past to be able to improve and grow without that emotional heavyweight. I think those are great points. And I love those terms. I love failing faster. I think that should be the goal, actually, you know, for a young artist and or artist of any age, really. Um, you know, all, uh, actually, speaking of age, I want to also say something that was very um, illuminating to me is that, um, you know, my successes didn't come until much later in my career. I mean, I've been at it for at least 20 years and it's now just happening for me you know, and, uh, or at least that's how it feels. I, I know it's all relative, but also don't buy the lie about age. You know, um, there's such a ageist association with Hollywood. Don't buy it. It doesn't, age doesn't matter. You know, again, it's about not throwing in the towel because then you won't see your future success come to life. And, uh, I, there are many, 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 uh, artists and actors that I know personally who are now finally on hit TV shows and they're older than me and they've been at it longer than I have. So Hollywood really needs to cast people of all ages. So the ageism, ageism thing is really just, it, it, it's a lie. It doesn't matter. Your age doesn't matter. And but um, failing fast, I think is great. Anytime I bombed on stage, I couldn't wait 
to redeem myself at the next show. It's actually an inspiration. So, you know, see it as like, oh, okay, all right, I'll get you next time. And then you work harder. And then the next time you kill it, you'd be amazed. Well, you know, if uh, and if you're a producer out there, I got two things. Number one, if you're a producer out there and you're looking for somebody who looks like Wilford Brimley, I'm your guy. <laughs> so, so, love it. I love it. And the, the other point I wanted to make is that I was in sales management and management for a long time. And one of the things that I found extraordinarily useful is improvisational theater. And I wanted to get your take on that because uh, I think that every kid should go and take some improvisational theater because it gives them confidence. They can think on their feet and they do a lot of, at least that's my opinion. What would your opinion be of improvisation? I know you've done it and you're very good at it. Uh, What is your opinion of improvisational theater? Well, I share your opinion. I definitely think it's a great benefit to anybody of any age, especially children. Um, And also people who work in the uh, private sector. I know I hear a lot of uh, people who have corporate jobs and they need to speak at an event or a workshop and they're really choked up and nervous. Um, They would benefit as well from uh, uh, improv classes. The thing that I learned from improv is to not be afraid, is to just let go and be and have fun falling on your face, not physically, but, you know, uh, and just uh, let go. Just be a clown. Who cares? There's nothing serious. We're creating art. We're goofing around and making each other laugh. There's not, it, there shouldn't be anything precious about it, you know, and, and that also goes back to stand up. It's like if you bomb, so what? We're not curing cancer. We're trying to make people laugh. And so as the performer, you should be having fun, too. Oh, absolutely. And sometimes it just kind of works out that way. It's a different crowd. It's a different audience that you might be used to, or, mm-hmm. or they maybe have had maybe a little bit too much to drink or, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it would be interesting because it's, it, it's affects you in a myriad of ways when, and, but if you can, you can't get better unless you fail, right? Yep. Absolutely. And I think that goes for everything in life. I'm living proof of that. Right. Holly? <laughs> What? (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is not your first time being a host, so. This ain't my first time at the rodeo, kids. But it is is just one of those things. (laughs) And by the way, we're we're talking with Selene. Selene. Selene Luna. And and, uh, we haven't talked much about it yet, but we're going to talk about the, what project is it, Holly? The Passionistas Project. I am just so thrilled that that you're here because one of the issues that we want to talk about is the dis- disparity of disabled people as to what they get paid, how they are treated in in our society, and it's not a pretty picture, is it? No, it's an ugly picture. <laughs> I uh, I'm speaking from a firsthand experience of a woman with a disability. I mean, you know, um, it's overwhelming to begin with the injustices, but, um, you know, and it's one of the reasons why I became an advocate 
And I just want to be clear with your listeners, I'm not an advocate because I like the title and, you know, and I've got nothing better to do. Being an advocate basically means if I don't kick and scream, if I don't sound the alarm, people are going to walk all over me. And so I'm just in a position because I work in the public eye. I have a platform to speak up for those who cannot speak up for themselves, which was like me when I was a kid. You know, I um, I didn't get education equality. You know, uh, I grew up in a, a very loving home, um, but, you know, struggling working class immigrant home. But I didn't get the same education that my siblings got in the public school district. For example, simply because I was disabled, most teachers treated me like um, I, like I had a, a, a sub-intelligence. For example, my parents had to fight the school system when I was in grade school for them to allow me to be integrated into the non-special ed classes, just like the regular classes. And uh, there was n- I, I didn't have any type of uh, intellectual deficiency. I was just physically different. And that was not acceptable to the school district. So my poor immigrant parents, you know, busting their butts, working, you know, multiple jobs. My dad going to night school still had to take time out of his insane workday just to come and convince the school to let me sit in the regular classes. I actually tested with a very high IQ. That didn't matter to them. Wow. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, and but, you know, so eventually they did, you know, they did actually allow me to integrate. But then all the teachers ignored me. You know, they the teachers uh, treated me like I physically was not in the room. You know, so I still didn't really get an education. I was just sitting there staring at the wall being ignored. And when I actually had all the answers, when, you know, the teacher would ask. But through the years, it was uh, systemically ingrained in my brain that I was not equal to the other students. So I gave up, really. I did poorly in school because I just thought, well, I'm not supposed to get what they get. And so I'm supposed to just sit here like a dunce and do nothing. So it was really discouraging. And so I didn't have the opportunity to develop my critical thinking. And um, an example, I remember this vividly in 10th grade. I was in my 10th grade English class and the teacher uh, pulled me aside and said, um, you don't need to learn about literature. So you're just going to sit next to me and um, basically just sit here while I teach. I didn't have to do any of the classwork because she said I wasn't going to use it because I because of what I look like. You know, OMG. <laughs> you know, that's, oh the gener- my God. that's the generation I grew up in, you know, and 11th grade. That's when your you know, average high school student goes to the you go to your guidance counselor to um, start creating a plan for college and your next steps after high school. I went to my guidance counselor and he said, um, oh, you know, college isn't for people like you. So you don't need to we don't need to discuss anything. Um, he actually it's said shocking. Where? Pardon me. He actually said that. Yeah, the, I will never forget it. Those were his words, and this was the LA school district. Oh. And uh, so you know things are changing now, 
but um, but we're still a pretty invisible population. I mean, when you think about this woke culture and on social media, you see, you know, uh, people screaming for social justice and their social justice memes, equality for, you know, uh, everybody, you, you know, women, people of color, trans youth. You never see them include children with disabilities. You never see them include in their memes disability. And it's ironic because disability is the most cross-sectional uh, group that exists. You know, people with disabilities are progressive, they're conservatives, they come in every color, of every background, and eventually 80% of the population becomes disabled at one point in your lives. That's so, me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, eventually it happens. So it just makes no sense. Now, what Kevin was uh, initially uh, talking about as far as, um, you know, low wages, here's something that your average person is not even aware of because the woke culture doesn't even know about it. But uh, there is a section, which is a federal act that allows, it, it's basically, it's called Section 14C. And it's where employers can apply for Section 14C certification of the Fair Labor Standards Act of 1938 that grants employers the ability to pay people with disabilities less than federal minimum wage. And that is legal. This was a program established by the Roosevelt administration and is still legal. So uh, one of the largest culprits in this country is Goodwill. Goodwill pays some of its disabled workers as low as 22 cents an hour. And that is perfectly legal. These are the people who are doing inventory, who are hanging the clothes, who are doing all the heavy lifting. And uh, it's ch cheap, exploited labor. And this uh, is how, I'm sorry, I'm on a tangent. Yeah. Say, <laughs> Go. And this is how society systematically um, keeps people with dis disabilities um, impoverished. It's forced systemic poverty. Yeah, with the actual laws. If you go to dol.gov related to that, I just searched for Section 14C, and they actually call it special minimum wages. So it's it's like from just reading the paragraph, I wouldn't mm -hmm. even know unless you know someone like you educated me on it. So that's really really enlightening. It's horrifying. It's horrifying, and uh, you know, I just ask that people please demand that Congress phase out this loophole. It, it's absolute exploitation. Could you imagine that if it were legal to, uh, it, by the way, this is called sub-minimum wage. You can just Google sub-minimum wage, a bunch of articles will pop up. Now, just imagine if it was okay to, uh, you know, uh, just, I, 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 just like, what if it was okay to pay women 22 cents an hour? I mean, I know as it is, women get paid less than men, but could you imagine if it was 22 cents an hour? The feminists would be all over it. How come no one's speaking up for, uh, how come, wh where's the feminist outcry for women with disabilities getting paid 22 cents an hour? Thepassionistasproject.com. Yes, yes! <laughs> perfect, perfect callback. Say that again, Holly. 
Yeah, the passionistasproject.com. Um, and that is actually an amazing group and, and resource of these types of voices. And yes. the thing I love about it the most is that when we interviewed Amy and Nancy, one of their big things was like, we're just providing the space and the stage. You know, we're providing that area. We're not talking for people. We're having people that actually live this experience coming okay. from those places in life do the speaking. Um, so yeah, that, that is exciting that there are starting to be, um, you know, in the power of the internet um, ways for people to actually connect and educate and tap in for any of our listeners out there. Do you have um, favorite websites or places where they could like keep, keep, updated kind of get some of the news on these types of issues yes i mean um there are uh, a lot of resources but um but you know i i there are several things that i'm very passionate about um and you can go to well maybe the best source for links uh, as, uh that i'm associated with is through my instagram my Instagram is uh, Selene, S-E-L-E-N-E underscore Luna, L-U-N-A. And at the top of my bio, you'll see a link that'll take you to um, various things that I'm involved with. But um, I, you know, I feel strongly about education for um, children with disabilities because we do not get an equal education still to this day. Um, I'm involved, I'm heavily involved with Southern California Resource Services for Independent Living, which is an organization in Southern California that um, helps uh, children with disabilities transition into higher learning with a strong focus on STEM and science and engineering. And through them, uh, with my involvement with that organization, I've been able to uh, go to DC and speak face to face with legislators um, on on these rights and funding that we need uh, to keep these programs running. And I'm also uh, very passionate about. There's a website I'd like to turn people on to. It's called um, Disability Day of Mourning. This dis Disability Day of Mourning. You can go Google it, and it'll take you to the link. Uh, it's a website which actually memorializes, um, it's actually really dark and horrific, but people need to know about it. Um, uh, I'm sorry, there is a huge number of people with disabilities that are murdered by their caregivers. And this is not reported because historically, journalists favor the side of the murderer because they feel bad that they had to take care of this person with disabilities. So you don't hear about it. And uh, it's an astronomical number of uh, really children who are murdered by their caregivers. Yeah. And, and they don't get prosecuted because the uh, court system uh, is sympathetic to the caregiver versus giving voice to the victim. I am so glad that you are, you are out there, but I got to ask you, it's, it's, got to be a little uncomfortable mm -hmm. to be a, a, out there in the way that you are. What do, what's motivating you? Why? And I know that you want to help people and you want to bring these things to life. Um, and is, is that really your motive? Is that, is that kind of your motivation is to help people and to help us understand? Cause you're, you're right. There was a, um, 
when I, I was a bus driver years ago, and I, there was a a building, a place that 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 featured um, or that that hired disabled people, mm-hmm. and people in wheelchairs, and people that were uh, and and they came to work every day. Mm-hmm. They worked hard. Mm-hmm. They they showed up on time. They left on time, and and I can't believe that people are being taken advantage of in that way to that extent. And some of these companies actually get a tax break for hiring disabled people, don't they? Yeah, they do. And, and the irony is that studies have shown that people with disabilities statistically make better employees than non-disabled people. They uh, show up. Yeah, uh, we actually show up because we're not in a position to take a job for granted. And also, we're a better investment when it comes to your workers' comp because um, people with disabilities file far few, far, far fewer workers' comp cases because we're extra care- careful at work because we're used to having to take care of our bodies uh, a little more intently than non-disabled people. So there are fewer workplace accidents with uh, disabled employees. I, I got to, you touched me when you were talking about when you were in 10th and 11th grade, <clears throat> excuse me. So I want to go back to that uh, just a little bit and, mm-hmm. and say, did you think that when you were in 10th or 11th grade and you were dealing with the things that you were dealing with, that you would uh, be on the TV and you'd be a stand up comic and you get to meet people like Maxine Waters and, mm-hmm. and um, Chuck Schumer and, and people in Washington, D.C., and, and have a real voice. Um, did you think that was possible back then? And if you didn't, how did it happen? Well, I, you know, I, I always believed it somehow inside of me. And, but I, I'm shocked that it actually happened. Um, you know, when I, just to backtrack a little, um, when I was age five, I have a vivid memory being a little kid, you know, around age five, I think that's about the age where you start becoming self-aware. And, uh, and I remember that time in my life when I really realized that I was different from everybody around me. And I was starting to pick up on being treated differently. I mean, there is no other little person in my family. And back in the day, there was nobody remotely uh, like me anywhere at school or in my social circle or family. So I really felt alone. It was a very lonely experience. Even though I was loved at home, there was nobody I could relate to. And also, and I grew up in a time where being disabled was shameful. You know, you were traditionally hidden. And um, so what I'm getting at, at age five, I grew up in L.A., very close to Hollywood. So that was always kind of on my radar, that world. And I always thought, and I thought at that age, you know, when I grow up, I'm going to I'm going to be in showbiz because that would be my opportunity to make people see me on my terms. So I always had that fire inside of me to do showbiz because I just thought that's how I'm going to reach the masses. And, um, you know, and since I didn't think education, I was told education, not by my parents, but by the system, that education, a higher education was not an option. So I was thinking Hollywood. I never thought I could be a doctor. I, I could be a lawyer. I could be a politician. Those things were never an option for me. 
So that's why I gravitated towards entertainment because it was also uh, really uh, an escapist thing for me, you know, watching TV, being a latchkey kid. And uh, so, but the fact that it became a reality is shocking to me. I never in my life thought uh, somebody like me would have a serious acting role on a major crime show, you know, like a little person who just happens to be, you know, running the cartel, you know, and not in a mask or a costume and just a human being with doing some drama. I'm going to have to watch that show. What's what's the character that you play on it? I play Soledad and that role was specifically created for me. Uh, So it, it, that's a whole nother story, but uh, which I'm so honored. I just can't believe it's, it's really um, the show co-creator and showrunner Elgin James. He's an incredible person. Uh, he's definitely has um, he he feels very strongly about social justice. And so it was really important for him to create a part for somebody like me. And that's kind of how it happened. And so, so do- I, I got lucky. So you're a bit of a ground, well, not a bit of, you are a groundbreaker in, in a lot of different ways. It's like, it's like, uh, Nicole, um, I forget her last name from Star Trek. The first time there was an interracial kiss on, mm-hmm. on TV. And, and so you are now you've transcended those roles that traditionally go to people, go to you mm-hmm. and to now doing what you're doing, which is, which is just awesome. I think, I think it's great. Holly. Thank you. Yeah, I'd love to, with the activism part of it, I'd love to know what some of the skills are that you think are needed for that kind of work in our world today. I think some of the skills needed uh, in activism are um, really a true, deep-rooted passion for social justice. And social justice for everybody across the board. Even if you're just fighting for one specific cause, your heart has to really uh, be in it for everybody. And the whole thing with equality that blows my mind and that I can't seem to understand is, um, you know, everyone, those out there on the front lines, which, I mean, I owe them a debt of gratitude, but those on the front line, you know, hone in on one specific thing and I know it's because there's so much to fight for, but shouldn't we just be fighting for equality for everybody? And maybe that's idealistic and a little simplistic, but again, that takes me back to like, why did, why is the, why is one of the feminist movements platforms pay equality for women, but they don't talk about pay equality for black women. You know, black women get paid less than white women white women are only fighting about getting equal pay to men. Why aren't they fighting for equal pay for all women? We need to be a cross-sectional society. And I think you have to really understand that to be an advocate. You have to fight for everybody, not just the one cause that personally impacts you. I couldn't agree more. And, and in fact, you know, I may be, what did you call it, uh, uh, idealistic and, and simplistic? 
I raise my hand to that because apparently I am idealistic and it's simplistic because I believe that we're all one and should all be treated equally. I think women have got a tremendous contribution to make. I am really not happy that, uh, um, that there are people in our society that are forgotten. Um, and and are not being paid attention to and uh, I, w- I would love to hear more about some resources that we can that we can tap into that our listeners can go to to really this is a, this is one of those things that needs to be that education needs to happen because mm-hmm. people have a tendency to just it's it's not comfortable to mm-hmm. talk about we're paying a human being to go to work 22 cents an hour that's not comfortable for some folks to talk about, but if you could give us some resources that our listeners can go to so that maybe they can initiate change themselves because there are people that are going, that's not possible. I can't believe that that's actually happening in this country. Right. And uh, it, it is shocking when you learn, you know, what's going on in our own backyards. And I mean, just right off the cuff, I, I know uh, you guys are in Washington, but I'm in California, and just what comes to mind is disability rights of California, which is, but I'm sure that could lead you to uh, national information. It's uh, disabilityrightsca.org. And um, so there's a lot there about self-advocacy resources and how to get help and careers, even if this uh, line of work interests you. So I, I don't mean to just focus on California, but uh, I apologize just right off the cuff. That's what comes to mind. Um, but, you know, you can um, just, you know, just Google, just Google what interests you, what topic interests you, Google it. But the most important thing you can do, anybody can do, is to vote. Vote on the local level. Get people in office locally who represent uh, social justice and things that you believe in. I'm glad you brought that up because this particular election, this mid-year election, is typically, and I think it's going to change this year, but typically it's a low turnout election because it's not a presidential cycle and and stuff like that but there's a lot of things going on right now that that need we need your voice everybody's voice everybody needs to vote 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 it's it's a crime (laughs) if i can speak i could vote and if uh it's it's a crime that 50 percent of the people generally speaking don't vote and we need everybody's opinion so that we're not ruled by 50 percent whatever who whatever your politics are Agreed. Agreed. I, I think what uh, I think this country is um, has uh, perhaps politics fatigue, and uh, people you are. Think? That's yeah, a great. I, that's a great word for it. I, 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 I love that. Yeah. I mean, I have advocacy fatigue. I just like I don't understand how much. What more I need to scream? What more can I say? Just come on, get on board. Um, But ultimately, you know, even if it doesn't feel like an important election, even if you're exhausted, just do it. Vote by mail. You don't have to leave your house. Just just do it, because in the end, it's going to bite you in the butt. And it, it does. And we've got a lot of issues in this country that we need to to work to correct. And, and so please, like I said, just please vote. That's that's all we can. That's all we can ask for. So, um, Holly, you look like you're you, you've got something important to say. Oh, OK. <laughs> that's not a bad thing. Um, I can always think of a question for you, Kevin. 
Um, what Thanks. would be <laughs> for Selene? Uh, what would be one of the things you wished you knew before you begin your work um, in activism? Oh, something I wish I knew um, is I wished when I began that I, I would have done a better job at compartmentalizing my anger. Um, and I, it, this kind of goes back to Kevin's earlier question, which I don't think I clearly addressed where um, I think he asked me what motivates me to be an advocate. And it's really uh, just the thought of someone being mistreated, even, you know, just, I think I have a lot of empathy for those who can't speak up for themselves and are being exploited because I come from an immigrant family. I mean, my parents dealt with a lot of racism uh, against them when we were growing up. And for me, myself personally, uh, being, being made to feel ashamed of who I was just because of what I look like. Um, so it's very near and dear to me. So I'm pretty empathetic to people in this, that type of struggle. And I just have a personality that can't shut up. You know, I, if something rubs me the wrong way, I will kick and scream. So I have fire in my belly for justice. And that's what's motivate me, motivates me. And so what I wish I would have done sooner is just to put my personal feelings, my personal anger aside. I think that would have uh, allowed me to be more effective and more productive. And I also regret that with the anger behind my message, which I, I just personalized it so much that I think I may have turned people off uh, in my approach when, you know, you catch more, uh, what is that? You, you catch more flies with honey. And I think I had a little too much vinegar in the beginning. That's a great question, Holly. Thank you. Oh, um, yeah. for, but, but you know what's really cool is that times, they be a-changing. And one of the things that's happening now is there's a group of people that have gotten together and they're putting on a seminar and it's coming up September 21st through the 23rd. And you can go to uh, Holly. They can go where? To, <laughs> to yeah, they can go to the passionistas project.com and help us by supporting our event, by purchasing tickets. We have an incredible uh, lineup of speakers who are compelling and inspiring. And I have to say, I have to do a little personal plug here. I'm very excited that I got my sister, my real life sister involved also. So my sister will be speaking as well. Uh, she's gonna be speaking on the environment and how that impacts, how that negatively impacts marginalized communities. My sister is a brilliant woman. Her name is Dr. Gigi Moreno. And I'm very proud that she's involved with us this year. That's sensational that uh, that and more people and more people, I think, are going to get on the bandwagon. And so you can again, you can go and this is uh, next week, as a matter mm -hmm. of fact, yes. is the 21st to the 23rd. And you can go to Holly. 
the passionistasproject.com to find See, I'm gonna out screw all about you. it. <laughs> you I'm going to screw up your, your, your linguistic skills as well. <laughs> you can get tickets there. You can read all about it. You can probably find information for Selene there as well as on your Instagram. And with your birthday coming up this week, I would love you to um, list your Instagram again for our listeners so they can wish you a happy birthday. Oh, thank you. I would love that. Again, my Instagram, which is really the only social media where I'm really active. Uh, Instagram at Selene, S-E-L-E-N-E underscore Luna, L-U-N-A. I hope to see you on there. And um, Miss Luna, we just have a few moments to, to talk in the, before we have to wrap up the show. So I want us, for us to set us ourselves aside, and I would like you to tell our audience anything that you would like them to know those that are listening now or when we turn this into a podcast which will be on positivetalkradio.net uh, in the next couple of days or so so the floor is yours oh well thank you you know i would just like to leave everyone with this thought you know when it comes to uh disability rights i know everyone i speak to is outraged by the injustices but they don't know what to do so i just want to encourage you to uh, take action even within your own local surroundings. For example, if you go to a boutique to buy a dress and you notice that they don't have uh, an ADA compliant ramp for let's say uh, a woman in a wheelchair wants to come in and get a dress and she can't or she can't open the door, go and talk to the manager, talk to the boutique shop owner and ask them why they're not accommodating uh, customers with disabilities. You know, I do want to say that people take for granted that there are AD, ADA laws in place, but they don't realize that they are not uh, put into use. Just because there's a law on the books, it doesn't mean people are complying. And if you're not screaming and shouting about it, no one's going to do anything about it. They're not being implemented. So that would help us out a lot. Well, you can me. visit my oh sorry you can visit oh, no, my website ahead. too you can check out my website seleneluna.com seleneluna.com and i correct me help me here mm -hmm. because you know the ada i was a bus driver for a while and and we they preached ada to us all the time but i was just thinking to myself who is the enforcement agency that is supposed to enforce the regulations of the ada they are MIA. The ADA is MIA. <laughs> oh, we have to demand it. Even though it's on the books, it doesn't mean it's being used. That's and that is that is so true. That is that is so true. It's it's such a pleasure to have you. Can will you come back and talk to us again? Sure, I'd love to. And thank you so much for having me. Have you enjoyed your time? Very much. This was fun. Well, good. We've enjoyed having you. And if they want to tune into the the FX channel that you're on, and what to, what day and time can they watch Mayans? Well, Mayans is currently uh, season one through four is currently streaming on Hulu, and um, we just got renewed for season five, so that'll premiere on FX uh, whenever we get it done. So, but you can catch me on Hulu's Huluween Drag Extravaganza. TV special October 1st on Hulu. It's so nice to talk to an actual person who's working in Hollywood and you're and you're 
And by the way, I cannot believe to listen to you talk how intelligent you are that when you were a child, they said that you're not going to make nothing of yourself. Well, those people should be sad and uh, apologetic today. Well, thank you. I feel sorry for their limitations. Well said. Well said. Holly, before we go, anything you'd like to add? Just, yeah, check out her and all the other passionistas um, that we've been able to connect with on our website. It's positivetalkradio.net, and we're happy to connect the listeners to these amazing, awesome people that are kind enough to come interview with us. So we look forward to doing even more. And support the work, please. And I want to thank everybody for being here. We'll be here Friday at noon. I hope everybody has a great day and be kind to one another because each other is all we've got. We'll see you Friday.